0: Nothing Never Happens, the Radical Pedagogy podcast, and I'm Tina Pippin, your host. With me today is Carlos Alberto Torres, who is professor of social sciences and comparative education at UCLA since 2009, past director of the UCLA Latin American Center from 1995 to 2005, and founder of the Paulo Freire Institute in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Buenos Aires, Argentina, and UCLA since 2002. Professor Torres is also president of the World Council of Comparative Education Societies. He is the author of numerous articles and books, including Social Theory and Education, Comparative Education, The Dialectics of the Global and the Local, and the editor of First Freire: Early Writings in Social Justice Education with Teachers College Press in 2014. He also has an edited book series with Routledge Press in New York entitled Global Citizenship Education, Globalization and the Politics of Equity and Inclusion. Professor Torres has written short stories and poetry and is also an accomplished gardener and woodworker. A complete list of his background, research, and accomplishments can be found on his website, Carlosatorres.com. Welcome to Nothing Never Happens, Professor Torres.
1: A real pleasure to be with you.
0: Well, thank you so much. Well, uh, you are known uh, as Paulo Freire's first critic from your work in uh, the mid-'70s, uh, and also your founding of the Center in Sao Paulo, with him and, of course, the Freire Center at UCLA and the one in also in England. So would you uh, start us off by talking about your relationship with Paulo and his influences on your teaching philosophy and uh, theories and practices along with this critical reading of his work?
1: Thank you very much. I think it's a very powerful question because it's a question that relates to two elements which I consider fundamental Mm -hmm. for any intellectual. One is your personal biography. The other is your theories. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you really look at someone like me coming up from a, a working class family who eventually growing up come a lower middle class family,
0: mm-hmm. who
1: uh, is the first one to attend uh, the university and is still in, con- in the context of, the, of the Argent- my Argentinian family, not my own family here in the US, I'm mm-hmm. still the only one who have achieved any uh, uh, university mm-hmm. degree. Yeah. But also in the, con- the social context of Argentina in my lifetime, mm-hmm. I grew up in the middle of dictatorships. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in the context of the tremendous tension between Peronism and anti-Peronism, mm-hmm. which is the first indication of how I have dealt with uh, populism. And then when I become a university student, I was both fascinated by Marxism and mm-hmm. particularly critical theory, mm-hmm. and in philosophy I read extensively Hegel, Uh, Kant, Dilte, and in sociology of course, Marx, Weber, Durkheim. So, I become, without having the cultural capital, I become somebody fascinated by this uh, critical literature, uh, highly elaborated literature, that I could only read through translations because I didn't speak any other language Mm -hmm. than Spanish. Now, at some point, we have the opportunity to get acquainted with uh, Paulo Freire, who become a lifelong friend, mm-hmm. um, and become his collaborator in many mm-hmm. different areas. But yeah. my, my encounter with Freire was not uh, uh, an easy encounter. Let me be very uh, specific, mm-hmm. and, also, and Paulo knows this, I talked to him about that. When I read Freire for the first time, I read Education as the Practice of Freedom, which was then considered a central book in the life of Christian and Catholic educators in Latin America. And probably you know that I studied my Mm -hmm. university in a Jesuit university, and as part of my own curriculum, I have to um, take three courses of theology. One of them, for instance, taught by uh, Carlos Mujica who is now being mm. considered as a martyr for the Catholic Church by this uh, Pope because Carlos was assassinated after um, mm. after um, finishing a Mass in a, in a small parish in a very working class neighborhood. Carlos yeah. was my teacher, a very charismatic individual, mm-hmm. very committed to uh, radical Peronism. Mm-hmm. And at the time, another element of my biography that few people know, when I got married, my first marriage, it was Mm -hmm. to go and live in a a community of uh, revolutionary Christians, theology of liberation Christians, Mm -hmm. and people like Carlos will come to celebrate mass in Mm -hmm. our home. So there were about seven or eight of us, and uh, every dinner, invariably, Mm -hmm. was 20 to 30 people. So Mm -hmm. every night in the very strong class struggle of Argentina with killings everywhere, yeah. with guerrilla forming everywhere, with student movements of which I was a part of participating in this extraordinary uh, moment of transformation. Mm-hmm. It was a political workshop rather than a simple uh, a, a dinner. And yeah. Carlos was among other priest connected with theology of liberation that will come at night and celebrate mass, but in mm-hmm. the mass, there will also be people who belong to uh, radical groups that were not Christians at all,
0: In mm-hmm. uh,
1: particularly a dear friend of mine who was agnostic, and he was a member of a very radical uh, Marxist group, and I, I have lost contact with him, perhaps mm-hmm. he was killed in, during the process.
0: So then, was it at this time that you began to read Paulo Frederick?
1: So, it is in that environment that I yeah. read Freire for the first time. Mm. But why I read Freire is interesting. There was this uh, colleague of mine in the University, a very beautiful woman, very intelligent woman, mm-hmm. with who had a very peculiar, unique relationship, and she said to me, you must read this book.
0: So mm. I read the book, but
1: <laughs> I was not very satisfied. Yeah. So uh, I, I never had enough resources to buy the book, so she gave me the book. Mm. but then. When Pedagogy of the Press came out by then I have already taken a course on non-formal education which focused on Freire Uh and it was a professor who was in charge of adult education in Argentina he was a very Freirean, a strong Freirean Uh and he actually uh, discussed with us Freire but at that time I criticized Freire and I said Uh Freire is nothing but a populist (laughs) and he's a populist because he is celebrating, thought court, the popular sectors as if they, in their own representation of their own knowledge, cannot be criticized. And I said, mm-hmm. this is not correct because the subaltern itself has their own contradiction. We have plenty yeah. of experiences of that. We have the, work, the male working class that oppress the female working class and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So with that argument, I was very critical of Mm-hmm. But then yeah. when she, this woman again gave me Pedagogy of the Press, that book kind of changed my perception because it's a very mm-hmm. Marxist book in many
0: respects.
1: Yeah. It's a very Marxist-Hegelian book. So I really took that as a very interesting development in Freire's uh, work and over. And I said that deserves to be studied very carefully. Then mm-hmm. another circumstance of Latin America occurred, I was Secretary-General of a research institute called ICLA, Estudio de la Ciencia Latinoamericana. And somebody said to me, Julio Barreiro has exiled in Argentina, he's uh-huh. Uruguayan, and he was the publisher of Pablo Freire in uh-huh. a small press called uh, Nuevo Mundo, I think.
0: Uh-huh. And,
1: and Julio came and I met him and I like him, and I said, he didn't have any jobs, so I said yeah. to him, do you like to, to conduct a, a seminary about anything that you like, so I set him up to teach a seminary every Saturday, and mm-hmm. I attended the seminary as one of the students, and he talked a course on Freire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, if you really read Barreiro's work, he was one of the main intellectuals who have uh, worked around Freire. He was a Protestant pastor and he was connected with hmm. the World Council of Churches, etc.
0: Okay.
1: In that seminar, I was very critical of him, hmm. of him meaning yeah. Freire. And at some point, Barreiro said to me, he was a very smart guy and, and he okay. was a publisher, said, okay, you are so critical of Freire, why you don't write a critical reason of Pablo Freire? And at the time, yeah. the commune in which I was living was disassembled because of the political conditions of the country, and we were trying to regroup uh, in Eskel, in Patagonia,
0: mm-hmm. by
1: invited to to organize an agrarian school, uh, so I took the lead with two other individuals, and we went there. And um, after three, I was already married with two children.
0: Mm-hmm. After
1: three months, uh, no no job, no income, etc.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we discovered that it was a dream. We couldn't do it. Yeah, and one of the Turn and was one of the first persons kidnapped, tortured, and killed by the AAA, mm. which was the Argentine anti-communist alliance. So yeah. it's in that context that I have no choice. I have no money, so mm-hmm. I, I found a job. Uh, several little jobs. Argentinians always have many different jobs to make a full-time job. Yeah. In. So I found several of those, and I began to work on this uh, proposal from Barreiro. And since there was no library in this 15,000 city, mm-hmm. city in Scale, which is a beautiful place in the mountains of, of, mm-hmm. of Patagonia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was sending me the book to read. So I wrote the first book when I was 24, mm-hmm. and then when I went to deliver, the book was about two weeks after the cat de tat of 1976 that in, in, in put in, in place the most brutal dictatorship of Latin America, which yeah. eventually killed 30,000 people. In the mm-hmm. end, my book could not be published in Argentina, but that conversation with Barreiro, when I delivered the book, mm-hmm. made me understand, because he was already an exile from Uruguay, made me understand that my life and the life of my family was at risk, so I, I exiled. The yeah. last part, I started as a critic, but after reading about eight times Pedagogy of the Press, mm-hmm. I become pretty much uh, subdued by the richness of the epistemology and the richness of the pedagogy, as well as what I call, very early on, the political anthropology of Paulo Freire.
0: Mm-hmm. When did you first meet Paulo?
1: Well, the first meet was through a correspondence when he was okay. in 1980, in the World Council of Churches, if I would have had money, I would have gone to visit him. But I didn't have any money. But mm-hmm. we exchanged correspondence, which, of course, with my multiple movements across countries, I have lost most of this correspondence. Mm-hmm. And then I met him in person shortly after his first wife passed away. I mm-hmm. went to visit with him to, you know, to console him, to give him my yeah. my sympathies
0: mm-hmm. and after Elsa died.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Elsa. Yeah. Elsa was very important. Uh, I will tell you that in a minute. But, okay. But I thought that Elsa was the backbone, not mm-hmm. only of Freda, but the backbone of the family, and also she was an expert on adult education and in literacy. So a great deal Freda did is really a, a kind of a reflection of his his extraordinary love for Elsa, mm-hmm. but also a reflection of his learning through Elsa about things that he was not really an expert. <laughs> so it's a very interesting story. Oh,
0: that's so, good, yeah.
1: yeah. So the point is that I spent time with him in his mm-hmm. house, with his, one of his daughters and so on, and he said to me, um, I'm going to go to a party, this is the first time I will go, because a dear friend of mine, Moasir Gadotti, is the person that is throwing the party with his new wife, and I want you to go, because I will introduce you to him, and you will become a very good friend of him, and he will become a very good friend of uh, of you. Mm-hmm. So we you. went there, and Gadotti opened the door. Gadotti has an incredible smile, and I'm always seduced by smiles. I find the smile a kind of a window to the soul. Mm-hmm. And he uh, greeted us with the typical Brazilian concept: beautiful engagement in, in, in the in, even in the corp in the in the the body the corporate the corporate hair uh-huh. and, and, and etc and this is the way that that, that Freire introduced us to Gadotti, who gadotti wrote about that he uh-huh. said this is carlos torres my first credit mm-hmm. critic he will become a very good friend of you and Gadotti was shocked because he thought that he was <laughs> the first <critic. laughs> yeah so and the funny is, is, uh, to finish this story, the funny part of this story is that the wife of Gadotti, the second wife of Gadotti, was from Italian origins, uh, Brazilian Italian, and mm-hmm. uh, all the, the, the elders were there and they, they, they loved tango. And I, at the time, sang some tangos and they actually mm-hmm. cornered me and forced me to sing all the tangos the could. So mm-hmm. in that context, Gadotti rescued me, came and said, would you like to to see my studio. And I said, of course. So we went there and voila, something very soon happened. He had the same type of writer that I had. He had the same tape recorder that I had at the time. Yeah. And then he said to me, do you want to see the book I'm writing? And he opened a number of pages, it was the same book I was writing. Ah. So with all my uh, esoteric perspective of life, I asked him, what, were, what day were you born? And he said the 1st of October, mm-hmm. which happened to be my anniversary as well. So we become <laughs> like uh, so, uh,
0: so many, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. From the moment on, we work together with Pablo in many, many different ways.
0: Hmm. Yeah, oh, that's a great story. Uh, So it it seems like um, Paulo Freire took some of your critique to heart, especially the gender critique. I mean, it seemed like an early um, critique of his um, patriarchal language and and other things that he he got from feminists later on and after the book was critiqued. Um, So uh, I would like you to... Uh, talk, uh, talk some more about the, the theories behind um, Pedagogy of the Oppressed and uh, how you use these theories in your teaching um, and in the formation of the Freire Institute at UCLA.
1: Yes, um, I think Freire is like an artist who reads particular particles of music Mm -hmm. uh, and then put it together in a way that those who have read some of that music and of course this metaphor uh, means people who have read the classical uh, thinkers people who have read Mm -hmm. the humanist tradition people who have read Marxism Hegelianism, Kant people who have read critical theory, Habermas, etc. Uh-huh.
0: Remember,
1: I wrote with more a uh, book comparing Habermas and Freire. Uh-huh. We understand that he produced a new symphony, but some of the notes, some of the uh, intensity, the allegro,
0: uh-huh.
1: it's not. But he has created a very original synthesis. And this synthesis is original because we know that how we the Test of Time, Pedagogy of Press is now 50 yeah. year old.
0: Yeah. So
1: this symphony, which I'm talking about, is what animates what we now call um, critical theory, and in education, elements connected with social justice education.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is
1: exactly why I got uh, taken by this work. But of course, once you meet Freire in person, you become captivated by an individual who looks frail, who Mm talks in ways that sometimes look too uh, not academic, but more Mm -hmm. of uh, of literature or if you want storytelling. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. there is a fire in this individual that consumes you as well. And when I met him in person, not only I discovered one element that, for me, is essential about people is authenticity. Hmm. We are surrounded yeah. by people that believe what they are not. not. Freud never pretend to be anything. He was what he was, mm-hmm. and he did it in ways that I appreciate very much. On the other hand, I work a lot on meta-theories. I think we need to mm-hmm. look at the areas in the world, meta-theory, theory, and empirical research, and a sociologist, although
0: mm-hmm.
1: I work in other areas as well, is indispensable for me to look at Meta-theory. You cannot do Meta-theory unless you do serious epistemological work. And having spent hours and hours with Freire and having interviewed him many times and asked him many questions, one thing that strikes me about him, not only his command of philosophy, Western philosophy, but also his command of epistemology, every question he will put in terms of the methodology, if you put it in those terms, of how you learn about this question. Mm -hmm. And after he developed a strategy of how we learn, he answered the question. Mm -hmm. That's not very common, and that's not very well done by many people. He did it perfectly, and that is one of his main contributions.
0: Yeah, and and one critique of him that you're bringing up is that... um, uh, that some other educational theorists have said, oh, you, you, you're too into Marx, you're too into critical theory, and, and Freire's response was always, well, you have to know the theory to get to the praxis, and you have to go deep. You have to dive deep into the theory uh, because those knowledges, um, theoretical knowledges, will inform the work you do in communities with um, you know, literacy training with peasants and, and social justice work.
1: Yes, and I think it is clear that what he discovered in Brazil in the 50s, by working with peasants, working with with with, with working class people, working in the slums of, of Recife,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he carried with him for the rest of his life. And what did he learn? The first element that he learned, that people know, but they did not know that they knew. Yeah. What he learned is that this popular knowledge could be made more empowering
0: mm-hmm.
1: to make the popular knowledge empowering you one have to bring that in contact with mm-hmm. so, in a hybrid culture so way he was very gramscian extremely gramsci
0: uh, yeah
1: and when he learned about gramsci he got surprised because he said but this is what i thought mm-hmm. all my life now yeah. this is one point the other point is that by not accepting the premises of the popular culture, thought court, and using some critical standards to Mm -hmm. analyze it. You can see his several uh, analysis on forms of consciousness, etc. He really become a, a, a critic, but also somebody who celebrates. I always like to say to my students, you have to criticise and to celebrate at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exactly
1: what Freire did. And it's a very Christian approach, which there's no question about it. Yeah. And I think what Freire did was to develop his uh, Catholicism into uh, a much more Catholic, put it in the, the sense mm-hmm. of universal, mm-hmm. model of work. And he did that at the service of the subaltern. That is the reason mm-hmm. that very early on, when many of us in Latin America were still considering the criticism to colonialism and models of anti-colonialism, yeah. he gave us a prism, a perspective, a, a perspective on how to confront the colonial mind and the colonial domination by literacy. Mm-hmm. In one house, literacy is almost a precondition for citizenship. Yeah. Without literacy, you cannot have true citizenship.
0: Mm-hmm. So free,
1: in a way, recreated citizenship in Latin America and then the rest of the world. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is also happening uh, in the States with the citizenship schools at the Highlander Center and then Freire's connection with the Highlander Center at all kind of, there's a genealogy here. In terms of um, how his theory is used on the ground uh, at other places, so um, well, when you uh, co-founded the the Freire Center in or Institute in uh, Sao Paulo, what were some of the theoretical underpinnings for uh, thinking about an institutional model in higher education?
1: Yes. That's a very good question. Let
0: me first,
1: you know, Latin Americans are storytellers by definition. That's the reason we have (laughs) I cannot do anything without telling a story. So let me Mm -hmm. tell a
0: story. Oh, sure. This is great. This story is very simple.
1: I invited Paulo Freire to come to Chicago to ARA, and then to uh, come to UCLA. And I invited Gadotti as well. And he came with his uh, new wife, Nita Freire.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we, it was very really funny that we were in 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 area, and Paulo was somebody who was in a way many very experimental. He had kind of moods. He was very moody in some areas, not mm-hmm. all, but all the time. Not all the time, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I went to pick him up, and we were walking to the. To the, to the place in which there will be hundreds and hundreds of people waiting for him to talk, mm-hmm. he said to me, Carlos, I don't feel like talking. No, no, no. I will ask Nita to say a few words and then we go. Mm-hmm. Because I knew him, mm-hmm. I could not say to him, Pablo, you cannot do that. There was an ex- expenditure and so on. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, Pablo, let's do that. So we keep walking and mm-hmm. people were standing by to greet him. And when we the the ballroom, He turned to me and said, Carlos, all my friends are here. And I said, of course. Mm. Oh, I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) talk.
0: That's great.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so from there we went to UCLA. At the UCLA, UCLA, the Graduate School of Education at UCLA in Mm -hmm. 1990, where I came, was a very technocratic school. Not a lot of multiculturalism, not a lot
0: Mm -hmm. of
1: critical perspectives. A, a very technocratic school in by any measure. But by 1991, a few, very few new faculty have come, two or three, and they mm-hmm. were all, all people like Concepcion Baladez, who was a very important member of the faculty, and uh, a Chicana who spoke perfect Spanish, absolutely perfect Spanish, and mm-hmm. who was very committed to all the struggles that we are committed. Uh, uh So she tells me, "What well, we don't bring Pablo, and I said, okay, we'll bring Pablo. So we bring Pablo, mm-hmm. and Concepcion approached me uh and, and said to me, is Pablo here? And I said, yes, and he's going to speak uh two days from now in this place. And she said, and why it's not being advertised? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm just new here. I don't know how to advertise this thing. And he, she said, put a, a little note in the brewing, which is, newspaper of the university so i did and yeah. the next day there were more than 800 people in an auditorium that mm-hmm. will only probably uh, allow four or five hundred so imagine mm-hmm. the pharaoh mm-hmm. who have come they have shut us down so mm-hmm. paulo spoke in very ceremonial ways and very very close to the tradition of christian prophetism hmm. Uh, and when he ended, he said, liberation is salvation. I could never never forget huh.
0: that.
1: There were probably 90% of the people there were not even born, maybe born on that, when he wrote Pedagogy of the place. I had prepared a very lengthy introduction of Pablo Freire, but when I saw that mm. auditorium, I just walked away from the introduction and introduced the man and he talked. Mm. It was remarkable. After that meeting, I organized a small meeting with some faculty, and many few people came from from my my school. But those who came, like me and other people in the profession, had children who are teachers, and mm-hmm. uh, they brought run up children. So there was a very unique uh, group of people: very few faculty, very few teachers, and so on. Mm-hmm. About fifteen or twenty. The conversation lasted for two hours. It was extraordinary.
0: Hmm. We left
1: the conversation, and we went to have a coffee in Kirchhoff across the School of Education and Information Studies now. And mm-hmm. it becomes somber, kind of sad. And we look at him, we knew him very well, and said, what is wrong, Pablo? Uh, and uh, he said, you know, well, we have this extraordinary meeting. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to die soon. This is 1991, right? Yeah. He was looking at his... His, you know, his, as he will put it, his finitude. Mm-hmm. And Padotti uh, and, and I look at, at each other, we look at him and said, look, Paolo, we all pass away. And even I try to hide, to, to make the, the moment less cumbersome for us. I said, you know, Paolo,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there uh, is a joke that said that the three things that you cannot avoid in life, one is death, uh, the second one is to pay taxes and the third one mm-hmm. to live through at least one educational reform. So <laughs> Paulo laughed and yeah. uh, we move into uh, a much more substantial conversation because Cadotti and I said to him, look, we all die at some point. You are going to die, but your message, your analysis, your work, your theories, you have to die.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We can be the Paulo Freire Institute and uh, you could be the patrono, which is a term used in Brazil when somebody who is alive decides to lend his or her name to a particular institution and during the time that this person is alive is a patrono. Uh-huh. Uh, there is a, a religious uh, connotation too. You can get a patrono for a church and it's a saint who will be inspiring that group of people.
0: Uh-huh. In
1: this case it's more the civil connotation, it's a civil part of the Brazilian law in which somebody could patronize an institution and Pablo accepted mm-hmm. to be the patron of this mm-hmm. institution. So in uh, six months later, thanks to the extraordinary abilities of Moisir Gadotti as an administrator, we created the institute in Sao Paulo. But mm-hmm. we had already a mantra and this mantra uh, was given to us in this uh, coffee place at uh, Stanford. Uh, pardon me, uh, I, I work with him at Stanford as well, but as you see, mm-hmm. like, and it was this. He said, Carlos Gadotti, I don't want people to repeat me, I want people to reinvent me. I don't want to create a new church, I don't want a fellowship. Mm-hmm. And yeah. He said, this is exactly what we have in mind. So we, as people very close to him, we are two of his main biographers. Mm-hmm. Gadotti said more than me, because Gadotti was a student of Paulo, in in Geneva when Paulo was teaching in, in Geneva so maybe you really want to to uh, interview Gadotti who speaks yeah. languages anyway the point okay. is that that was the first mantra and we move from that mantra onwards so the theories that we use are part of our life well what, what are the theories that we lived and mm-hmm. we work in Latin America the first one is popular education mm-hmm. that is very important that popular education, which is a model of education connected with the struggles, particularly in uh, the uh, Ibero-American republics, uh, particularly the Ibero uh, area in Spain, Portugal. Uh, Mm -hmm. You have anarchists, anarcho-syndicalists, you have socialists, you have communists, Marxists, all these people that were confronted in the Spanish Civil War, have already discussed the question of popular education. The term comes from them, and the people that escaped Europe, being persecuted in Europe, that came to settle in Latin America, particularly Argentina, Brazil, Mm -hmm. and Cuba, uh, they brought with them this idea. So for us, the idea of uh, popular education was already embedded in the political struggles of the political parties of the left.
0: That concludes part one of our interview with Carlos Alberto Torres. In part two, Professor Torres will tell us more about his work at UCLA and around the world uh, and the function of the Fede Center and the various programs that they do.